0: If your hashtag life goals involve luxury, travel, and being the boss of your own life, then get ready to embrace your mindset, magic, and manifestation powers. Let's do this. Hey guys, what's up? What's cracking? Happy Tuesday. I hope you're amazing. I hope life is awesome. Sending you all of my good vibes right now. One of my new affirmations is I am living for love, light, and legacy. And I'm just really feeling those vibes right now. So sending them to you as we speak. Okay, so many things have happened in the last week since we chatted. So first of all, wow, January, I made 10K in 10 days at 20 years old. Can we let that sink in? $10,000, 10 days, first 10 days of January, and I was 20 years old. But I say was because now I'm 21 because it was my birthday. Wow. But literally so crazy, so wild. And if I can do it, you can do it. So that's all really fun and fresh. Um, (laughs) And I'm just so grateful and so happy. And it's amazing knowing I have so much of the month left. So I can't wait to spill all my secrets in the money masterclass I'm teaching at the end of the month. If you want the details, I will leave it in the show notes. But this episode, part usual, is sponsored by my Mindset Magic and Manifestation Daily Ritual. So you guys, I really accredit my daily ritual practice to me seeing all the massive success I've seen in my business in the last six months that I've had my business. Yeah, I've only been in business for six months, you guys. And see I accredited it for all of like the free travel I've had, the nice designer shit, the 10k months. It's all from my daily practice. And I have it wrapped up in a cute little mini course for you. Only 37 bucks. And I will leave the link below. It's literally the shit. One of my clients had it. That was the very first thing she ever bought from me. And with that alone, she got a free first class upgrade. So we love that. So amazing. And yeah, like I said, that'll be in the show notes. So Today's spiritual splurge is from the goddess provisions box I got last week. So I know that was last week's, but I want to shout out a specific product in this box that I have been absolutely loving that I didn't talk about last week. Cause I didn't know it was in the box, but basically it's this gem essence and it almost reminds me like an essential oil, but this you like eat. You like put it on your tongue or put it in water. And so it's by the brand Root and Sky, and it's a gem essence, like I said, and it's the abundance essence. So many S's right there, but it says draw in cash money and abundant opportunities right on the labeling. You put in three drops into your water, and I've been doing this every single day. It doesn't have any taste or anything, but it's all made out of like crystals like green, calcite, amzonite, jade, blue appetite and blue appetite actually like suppresses your actual appetite. So you eat less, um, more jade. And then, um, some vegetable thing and distilled water. So that's really great. We love calling in the cash money with a couple gem drops into our water. I don't know. I just feel super bougie putting into my water because I have like this giant Starbucks cup, like a reusable one. And I put in my couple little drops and I'm like, wow, this is going to bring me all the fucking money I want. And then I drink it and I feel abundant. So I'm going to link you guys straight to this product in the show notes so you can check it out. I can't imagine it being too expensive. So Get your gem essence, get your daily ritual, and get your shit together, basically. (laughs) So today we have a really fun guest. Her name is Kim, and she is an author of a book that she is sending me a copy of, and I'm super excited to dive in. And she's telling us so many things about how our brains work, about where our fears come from, and she calls her little... Her fears, monster tracks, and I think that's super cute. She has a lot of really grounded explanations, and she likes to break things down in a really simple manner, even though we're talking about like literally the brain. So you guys are going to love this episode. It's jam-packed so much info and let's just kick it off right about. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast, you guys. I'm super excited for today's interview because we are about to learn so much. Today I have with me Kim Fisk and she is a keynote speaker, a life coach, an author, an NLP practitioner, all the things teaching people how how much they're loved, how much they're valued and deserving regardless of what the voice in your head is telling you. So welcome to the podcast, Kim. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, of course. I'm super excited. So let's just dive straight into our speed dating questions if you're ready. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First one, what's your horoscope sign? Oh man, you didn't tell me that was going to be it. Uh, Aries. (laughs) (gasps) An Aries. Okay. (laughs) Love that. So interesting. So fiery and very leadership-esque. So that makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it does actually.
0: (laughs) I love it. Okay. Are you a morning or a night person?
1: You know, I have transitioned. I used to be not a morning and I used to pride myself in not being a morning person, but honestly, I'm a morning person now.
0: It's crazy. Oh, I love it. What's your like best tip for switching from a night to a morning person?
1: You know, I don't even know how it happened to be honest with you because (laughs) I I, I really don't. Um, Maybe it has to do with age. I don't know. But Mm. I remember just going, why am I, I like getting, now here's what I didn't like is I didn't like all the books I read that told me I should be a morning person. Mm. That's probably what kept me from doing it sooner because I kind of have a rebel streak. So, okay. um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So don't think you have to do it. You guys just maybe try it a few times and then yeah, you might just like it.
0: <laughs> I love that. I'm the same way. I used to be a total night person and now I'm like, I love to get up at 7am every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So good. Okay. Do you have a morning practice or like a morning ritual you do?
1: I do. I'm, you know, I'm, I work at home, so I don't have, you know, I'm not leaving the house to go, you know, to get out and do stuff. So I can really be flexible, but the things I really do, and I don't beat myself up up, up if I don't either, which is a key thing, but the morning I, I have meditation that I love. I have some exercise stuff that I do, and again, it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. My rebel streak is just comes out, and I just go I'll do what <laughs> I want, right? So, um, and then I have uh, just some like I get caught up on stuff, but I really try to do the my me stuff. I find that like what people say, you know, the sooner you do it, the better the the day the, the day goes. And I have proven that, but it's but I don't beat myself up. Sometimes I've been known to do my you know, a little walking exercise thing at 10 o'clock at night, just because I say, "Ah, I got to do it before I go to bed. But Mm -hmm. if I didn't get done earlier, it's not about having to do it at a certain time.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's just taking the pressure off of everything. We do put so many expectations on ourselves and that makes everything really heavy. So I love that you come with that approach.
1: Well, the first of the year, you know, everybody's got their, okay, okay. I'm really, really, really. (laughs) You're going to do it. Okay. This is going to be different. And you know, just how I know about the brain, and we're going to talk about that later, your brain doesn't understand. It just feels your energy. It doesn't know, and it feels panic, and it feels apprehension. It feels fear. It doesn't know what you're talking about. So it automatically wants to save you from what you are trying to accomplish because it doesn't get it anyway.
0: Mm. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to unpack that. Okay. Where is the favorite place that you've ever traveled to?
1: Oh my goodness, girl. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I have to say New Zealand.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm
1: dying to go. Yeah, we did a two week cruise out of Sydney, but we didn't spend much time in Australia, which is another place I really want to go back and explore. But then we did a two week cruise around New Zealand. And then it was my husband's 50th birthday. Mm -hmm. So we got on a mo. He's a motorcycle guy. And in New Zealand, they don't have like major freeways so much. So we took back roads on a motorcycle for, and I surprised him. He didn't know we oh were doing gosh. it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. And then the guy, we had it all planned where they had bed and breakfast and we had a little guidebook that said, hey, take a right at mile marker 37. And there's a really good coffee place there and asked him for this specialty
0: thing. Like it was so cool. Oh my cool. God.
1: Yeah. It was really cool.
0: That just sounds so magical. I am dying to go. It's so high on my list. Same as Australia. And somebody else had mentioned um, a couple interviews ago about New Zealand. So I think this is a sign. I need to go soon. <laughs> <It is. laughs> I love it. Okay. What's the coolest thing you've manifested?
1: Huh. Um, you know, as a, apart from material things, because I can talk about material things later, but I remember back in the day when I was really starting to, it was before the secret. It was be, It was just in the early days of my waking up to understanding how things are created and living from a place, living from the end in mind and the energy of the end. And I remember this, it's a long story. I don't know how much of it you want, but I remember, <laughs> I remember, it, uh, man. I remember discovering this secret from desire. Desire from this, uh, I was. I was working full time I was a single parent and I was also involved in a company that they were doing a, uh, a convention or a, an event that I really, I had to be there. Like it was not optional, but I couldn't get off my job and it was not looking like it was gonna work, but it, that, it wasn't, that was not an option. I didn't wanna lose my job and I had to be at this event. So I just went to this really cool place um, in my mind, in my emotion, in my visuals, uh, and I had a little mantra, doors now open. In fact, oh, I'll mm-hmm. tell you real quick how I got that mantra yeah. is I, my job. I worked for FedEx. I was a FedEx courier. So I was driving on to get to my route. It was about an hour drive one way. And I was just living in my visual space. I'm glad I can drive, drive subconsciously in a way because I was just like really <laughs> living in this place. And I was like trying to go, okay, yeah, I have to do both. That's not an option, not an option. And I look up, swear to God, I look up and here's a billboard that said, doors now open. Mm-hmm. And that struck me from God. That was like, "There's your, there's, you're going to live there, Kim? So all day long in my FedEx route, I had a, a downtown route, so I was in and out of my van all day long. And every time I turned my key on, I said, doors now open, doors now open. I'm going to be at that event. I'm going to keep mm-hmm. my job. I'm going to be at that event. And Michaela, I had tried to figure out with my brain how to do this and not lose my job and go, and it was all dead ends, dead ends, dead ends, dead ends. And I'll tell you what, by the end of that day, I didn't listen to the chatter that said, no, you know you can't do it, Kim, you know you're gonna lose your job, don't really do that. And I just didn't listen to it, I just kept affirming and living from the end. I'd see myself at that event, I saw myself feeling how I was gonna feel, I was gonna get recognized for some stuff and that felt really good. So I just stayed there and I used that mantra. And by the end of the day, mad, like if I hadn't kept myself open for it to happen,
0: mm-hmm. I would
1: have never, ever, ever thought of how it ended up happening. And it, but but at the end of that, it's like, well, duh. See, it's a kind of a dichotomy. Like I would have never thought of it, and I'm very creative. Mm-hmm. And then how it worked out was like so simple. I should have thought of it. Right. Like it was one of those things where, anyway, that's a longer story than your dating questions, but that was <laughs> a full cool so principle funny. that has stayed with me all my life. Doors now open. Oh, and then I went back, um, like the next day or the next week or whatever. And I saw the billboard again and it was a Wells Fargo ad, like doors now open on Saturday from nine to Oh noon. my like, God. That-
0: yeah. <laughs> That is so funny. The universe communicates with us in the strangest ways. And it's so funny how we can never predict how things are going to work out. Like we just never know. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. How wild. Okay. What's your favorite luxury splurge? Like what is your fave expensive thing to buy?
1: (laughs) Oh, uh, the easy answer there is I don't have there's not much materially that, you know, gets me excited. I'm not jewelry. I'm not, I'm travel. I'm a travel addict. So like, okay, where do I want to go now? Like, okay, let's just go. Let's just, I'm a travel. Travel is the number one answer for that. Mm,
0: that's mine too. Well, I'm that in designer bags, but I am such a travel junkie as well. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite book? Oh, that's really hard. I know. (laughs) Well, because, you know, the
1: books, people say, well, what what book recommendation do you make, Kim? And I'm like, you know what? It's not up to me to recommend a book for you because where where I am in my development, in my understanding, in my spirituality, if you're not there, this will be completely not helpful for you. So I just tell people to go to like Barnes & Noble or go look at a genre in Amazon and say, what? what's what jumps out at you um but books that have had big impacts on me i mean way back to like think and grow rich i mean that's a mm, that's a, a classic. classic yeah and and how to win friends and influence people that's a classic and mm-hmm. uh, so those are the old time jim Rohn. i would just sit and watch jim Rohn videos on youtube and jim roan r o h n that's how you spell his last name but uh, on personal development but recently um, some books that have just probably, you know, been classics are uh, Big Magic, Liz
0: Gilbert. Um, yeah, I love that book.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I listen to it. I love her voice on Audible. Like, listening to that on an Audible is really, it, it, her voice does something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is uh, Into the Magic Shop. You know what, with the theme of your your um, podcast here. It's by James Doty, Dr. James Doty. He's a neuroscientist at Stanford, and he started the Compassion for Altruism. No, I'm sorry. He started the Institute of Compassion and Altruism at Stanford and oh. how the brain and compassion and the heart are connected. And he's a scientist. It's not even a metaphysical woo-woo guy. Yeah. Like, Into the magic shop is, um, and then another author that has really inspired me lately is Dr. J, uh, sorry, Joe Dispenza. And, um, yeah, breaking the habit of being yourself probably Mm -hmm. to start with and then becoming supernatural is another recent one. And then you are the placebo. Oh my gosh. I'm seriously asking me about books is we could go for
0: hours. (laughs) Well, amazing. All the listeners are going to have a great list to order off of Amazon. (laughs) Uh,
1: Or go to Barnes and Noble, you guys. I try to keep them in business too. I go to Barnes and Noble and sit And I buy books from them because I don't want them to go away as much as I love Amazon.
0: Right. I don't want them to go away either. Just, I was literally there like three days ago. I was like having a bad day and I was like, I'm going to Barnes and Noble. I was like, I know what will change this.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I did the same thing. So please buy for Barnes
0: and Noble too. Yes. Yes. Go to your local Barnes Noble, not sponsored, but very open to it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, And our last speed dating question is what is your go-to coffee or tea order at the moment?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, you know what? I am so not a coffee snob. I don't care. Oh, In fact, nice. you're going to totally, totally laugh. Your, your snob <laughs> listeners are going to probably hang up right now and go, I can't listen to her anymore. <laughs> you know, my husband is a commercial fisherman. So, mm-hmm. um, so he goes out off the coast of Oregon for months at a time. Well, he just takes um, <laughs> Nescafe instant coffee. Oh, and no. so, <laughs> Yeah, sorry you might even kick me off right here so, so if I'm making coffee in the morning which doesn't usually happen it's usually him I'll make some french press thing you know from some beans I have okay. but a lot of t- and a lot of times he'll make coffee and I'll go oh and I just stopped asking after a while because I know it's <laughs> and I know it's- like classical or some sort of, you know, but honestly, I'm not a snob. I'm a water snob. I'm not a coffee or a tea snob. Oh,
0: okay. A water snob. What does that entail?
1: Well, it means I don't just drink any water. So that's, mm. that's what I mean. Like if people like in a restaurant, I'm tasting it. Uh, no, I can't drink it. Even if it's filtered, like it doesn't matter. Fil- it does matter filtered or not, but the taste of it. And my husband, other people will drink and go, Kim, it's
0: just water. I'm
1: like, Oh yeah, but there's a <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. Okay, so then what's like your favorite bottled water? Because I know I have a preference, but I'd love to hear yours.
1: Well, my favorite is Fiji, but it doesn't
0: fit in my car holder. So smart. Oh. I,
1: also, I, go, I go between Fiji and Smartwater.
0: Oh, yes. I like Fiji, Smartwater, and Voss. Those are all my favorites. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So good. Okay, well, you made it past the speed dating question. <laughs> Amazing! All right. Well, I'm super excited to hear all about your journey. So just take us from start to finish from NLP to life coaching, to getting aligned to now, where did it all begin?
1: Um, I think it just began with an awakening I had in my late teens. I was married very young, Mm -hmm. um, had babies very young and I just, um, but I talk about this. I I have a book, by the way. I didn't mention that one of my favorite books is mine, but, um,
0: yeah, plug it. We need to know.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, the book is called the monster under the bed, Mm -hmm. uncovering the lie that drives us. And it's, um, it sounds like a kid's book because it actually refers to when we were children and how our brain developed. Mm -hmm. And I geek on the brain stuff right now. That's why these people that I recommended other than, you know, <coughs> sorry, I've been struggling with some crud, but um, the, pe- the people, I love the brain and I love understanding not only just the anatomical brain, but the spiritual brain, the mind brain, the, the, the essence brain, the mind of us, not the brain, but the mind. And so, but our brain actually developed um, from a survival standpoint um, with only processing the survival brain, which is the limbic amygdala brain. What we don't realize, even as adults right now, is that we didn't have the logical reasoning brain we have now. That didn't fully develop. It's called the prefrontal cortex brain. That didn't fully develop until our mid-20s, you guys. Oh my God,
0: I don't even have it. I'm only 20. (laughs) You are? Okay. Well, now, as a rule,
1: I think, now, I have met people, honestly, um, the fact that you're doing what you're doing right now, and the fact that you are, I'm not saying it's across the board, because I swear, my, my eight-year-old granddaughter has a de- much more developed prefront I can reason with her. I've been able to reason to a degree. But have you ever tried to reason with a two- or three-year-old?
0: Oh, no, thanks.
1: <laughs> it does not It doesn't work. Yeah. Or even year olds it doesn't really work because and we blame ourselves as parents or we blame um you know the kid but it's really they don't have the brain capacity yet now your prefrontal cortex brain does start developing like you can reason with a with a you know 12 year old easier than a three-year-old for sure so it starts to develop But fully, fully developed uh, for the majority of people. That's why, like, car rental places, you can't rent a car yet, can you? Mm -mm, No. no. You know why? Car rental places, no. You don't have a prefrontal. You're not in your logical reasoning brain yet, so you're not going to drive my
0: car yet. Oh, interesting. Okay. I've always wondered why it's, like, 25. (laughs) Well, and that's my theory, but it makes sense, right? Yeah. So, um, I haven't
1: asked them specifically if that's why, but it makes sense. And car rates, insurance rates go down at those ages too. So my point is, is that when we, I've never met um, anyone I've worked with. I've been, and I want to answer your question about where I came from. So I started relationship marketing, and that's another word for network marketing, where um, you actually can go create um, your own worth tangibly. You can go decide how much you earn. You can have freedom in your life. You can, all that. So I, that inspired me a lot. And that is a playground for personal development. Because if you want to do that kind of business, as in any kind of, quote, sales business, where your income's dependent on your activity, you got to overcome a ton of stuff. Yes. And so, but I felt a call to that. I felt, even though I worked for FedEx for part of that time, I, I had decided early on I was basically unemployable. Like, I don't want to work for someone else. I, I want to decide my own income. And so I started in that business, those businesses back in my early twenties. And I've been doing off and on, like I got a Mary Kay car in six months. Like I, mm-hmm. I know how to tangibly do those businesses, but I found myself in a health and weight loss company uh, about 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was very effective and I knew how to do this business. So I bl- my business blew up because the program's effective and I'm good at it. So it was kind of a, a double whammy there. But the other thing I was noticing, it involved a lot of coaching in the trenches with people where I'm dealing with people about their health and their weight. I'm dealing with people about their finances because I had a lot of people like me who were trying to grow their income and and deal with all the family issues that that presents and all the personal uh, issues. So, um, I, in the trenches, I discovered that there's one common denominator in everybody, no matter how skinny, how beautiful, how perfect, how successful, how smart like, seriously, it did not matter. Everyone had a voice that said, I'm not okay, and I'm not good enough, I'm not smart, I'm dumb, I'm bad not worthy, not perfect, something about that. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I just went, about three years ago, I just went, you know what, I'm going to go research this. And so I took, I kind of stepped away into quasi-semi-retirement, and I I studied this, and I really went after this topic. That's what got me into all these books about the brain, and the development, and where this voice comes from. So that's why the metaphor of the monster, when you were little, Michaela, did you have Mm -hmm. Um, were you scared of something?
0: Yeah, I was always afraid. Instead of like monster under the bed, I was always afraid of like a monster in my closet because I had like a yeah. walk-in closet. So. Yep.
1: Yep. So yeah, it's going to be under the bed in the closet. About, I mean, I would babysit and be freaked out about who's watching me through the window. You know, like outside Ooh. the window.
0: Spooky. Right?
1: <laughs> I saw. I saw too many scary movies. But whether, but listen to this, little kids. I always wondered. Why do little babies who are born in the dark, they come out, they live in the dark, they're in a dark room in a crib for the early months, how come all of a sudden they start being afraid of the dark when nothing bad has happened to them in the dark, right? So I started understanding that the survival brain is the brain we're born with, and that brain understands zero logic. There's no logical connection to that brain. (laughs) There isn't. And this is, this is the brain that without investigation, we all are still, first of all, our identity was formed by that brain. That mm-hmm. brain said to the little, like, maybe it starts as early as maybe six months, nine months, somewhere in there where they go, oh, crap. Now, remember, I'm saying this emotionally. I'm not saying this, they don't have language around it. They don't have reasoning around it. But they realize they're alone and to the survival brain, the unknowable is potentially unsurvivable, Mm. so when there's unknown, you go, ah, this isn't okay, I still know adults today that have to sleep with the light on, because they have this fear, and they don't understand it, see, their logical brain that's kicked in right now, goes, why don't, why am I afraid of the dark, why, why do I have to have this light on, but they just do it, They don't investigate it. Or same with starting anything new. Your survival brain does not want you to do anything unknown. Well, for those of us that are interested in personal development and growth, man, we're screwed, right? Because (laughs) we're going to be doing lots of things that are scary. And I'm putting that in air quotes. Like It's scary to do some of these things because I call it running to the roar. We're going to go at a certain age in my life, I lived with the truth that that monster was under my bed. Like when you went into your closet, didn't your heart pound and didn't you get sweaty and clammy? Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like it was your truth. And some people feel that way when they get up to speak in front of groups or they they have to go confront something to a person that they're not, they don't like conflict. So yikes, I got to go, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go run away. I'm not going to run to the roar. I'm not running to the roar is doing that thing with your logical brain that says, you know what, I know my wiring was based on an illogical, emotional, um, not something that's not serving me now, and I can decide now what I'm gonna do, and I can unwire that and rewire it. That's kind of the point of my book. I also have 10 monster tracks that I'm showing that um, will show up in people's life, like their specific reactions and be feelings and behaviors and, and ac- actions that show, like number one is shame. Mm-hmm. I believe the first thing we felt when we were little, we, again, had no language around it, no logic around it, but I think we had this feeling of, uh, uh-oh, and we're a, we're a species that, that a part of our survival instinct is we have to be, belong. We have to be okay because people yeah. have to take care of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we automatically are wired to want people to like us and to accept us. See, that's part of our survival brain. We're still doing that at 45 though, and we don't understand why we can't not, <laughs> we're not worried about making our mom, you know, upset or disappointing our dad, and we're married with our own families and our spouses going, what the heck? You know, it doesn't make any logical sense. But this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. So the 10 monster tracks, I believe shame is the epicenter. I think shame, which is a flight message. See when you're am I talking too fast McKenna?
0: I feel no. like I'm going. No. we okay. You're on a roll. I'm loving it.
1: <laughs> okay. So when you're when the survival brain again this goes back to brain science. When the survival brain got triggered that uh-oh, we we might not be okay based on emotion, we had no hope of escaping this. Like we needed the logical brain to help process that and we didn't have it. So automatically the first time in fact,
0: wanna hear my poop theory? Oh, bring it. <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> okay, I don't know, do you have kids? Uh, no. Okay, that's
1: all right. So you were a kid and maybe you've seen this happen. You won't remember this if it happened with you though. But for those of you listening who have recognized this in babies, um, in your own or others, I remember, I have four boys and I remember Now looking back, I go, why did, whenever they'd kind of go missing, around age-ish, one-ish, they were walking, they were not potty trained, not even being potty trained yet. They were in that stage of just pure walking around with the diaper, blah, blah, blah. I'd lose them in the house for a little bit. I'd go, where did they go? (laughs) Then I'd go find them all red-eyed, you know, uh, like they'd been grunting. They went to go hide behind a couch, in a corner, under a table, like, they went hiding. Well, when I was doing this work on shame, I went, huh, that is pure shame behavior, isn't it? To go hide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what we do now. Like, when I have a bad day, I'll go to Barnes & Noble or I'll go curl up in my bed and eat bonbons, right? Like, right. I, I want to <laughs> hide. And so, but when I thought back to my kids and I went, oh, I know what you were doing. They were pooping. Now, they <laughs> didn't do that to pee. They didn't do that when they peed. It was when they pooped. So when I'm thinking about this, I'm going, what caused them, a little one-year-old baby, to have shame regarding poop? Nothing had ever happened to them about poop. Oh, but then it hit me.
0: Have you ever changed a poopy diaper? Oh, no. I hate kids, so Ah! I avoid.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm going to cement this for you then, because... Yeah, because parents, if you're a parent and you're, or you babysat, so listen to this. What happens when you change a poopy diaper? Like, it's way different than just a pee diaper. You start making faces. You start even ingest. <laughs> my husband would start gagging and say, not come here. you got to do this one. It's really bad. But oh, my God. I'd go, ooh, stinky. Ooh, ooh, just stinky, stinky. Right? Like, I'm talking to my baby talk about this <laughs> So think about that baby. Who, from all of its life, without reasoning and without logic and without language, it sensed something emotionally about this behavior, and it's it learns. Oh my gosh, babies make neurological connections, like millions of them a second. Like it is crazy what how our brains, when you were a baby, how you connected stuff, and no two babies connected exactly the right uh, the same. So now they now that their uh, cognitive brain is starting to develop, and they go, "Whoa, whoa!" But they still don't have understanding about it. But they know something's up about this behavior. I gotta, I better go hide. So mm-hmm. that's just my theory. It could be right. It could be wrong. It doesn't matter. It just fits my metaphor that I believe shame, the flight message. Remember how your amygdala only has certain messages it can send you? Mm-hmm.
0: Like
1: fight, flight, freeze. Right. Right. Yeah. I think flight was the first one. I think shame is the motherload shame flight message that we felt when we were little, but on its heels is also fight. Like you got to be okay. You've got to make them like you. you they have to take care you better figure out how they're going to like you. Now, again, from a parent standpoint, I go, that doesn't make any sense. I love my children unconditionally,
0: <laughs>
1: but that would take a logical brain to them yeah. or for me when I was little to understand it. When I was um, four, my mom and dad got divorced. Mm-hmm. And this is another part. I talk about this in the book where little Kimmy had no other way to process this, but that my dad was leaving me. He didn't mm-hmm. leave my mom. In fact, it, it go one more step deeper. And in many cases, um, little kids process it that he left because of me yeah. not just leave me he left because of me I wasn't here's where we go I wasn't good enough I wasn't I wasn't acceptable if I'd been better my dad would have stayed and my mom wouldn't have had all those tearful horrible nights that I had to um witness because all of it to little Kimmy was her fault
0: mm-hmm. crazy huh It's so wild how our brains work like that. And it really shows the like amount, like the effect that energy has on us. Cause you know, when you're thinking about that little baby, they can't speak, they're not like processing words in their brain yet. Like they just feel that vibe of the room. Like, Oh my God, this is gross. You know? And then they think, Oh, that's bad. Like this is a bad feeling. So it just really shows like to the extent that energy is just the most important thing.
1: It is. And, and if I had to do it again, again, there's no completely escaping it. So parents that are listening, I, this isn't, um, monster track number is another monster track is self judgment. Like don't go to self judgment about this because even I'm putting this in air quotes, the perfect parents
0: Mm -hmm. can't,
1: their children are not going to be able to escape this. Now, does it matter how you raise your kids? Yeah. Does it matter? Like, I wish I could go back and and do things differently. I wouldn't have spanked them. I spanked my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, That was the consciousness of the day. I didn't spank them in anger. I did it at a high-level consciousness. But if I could go back now, knowing what I know about the brain. uh, But the other thing, Michaela, is I've had to go run to my personal roar. See, we're all raised by our parents' monsters, right? Yeah. (laughs) So... The best thing to do is really just do inner work. Do the inner work yourself and, and love yourself and know that you are – here's my biggest message, and I say this in the book. You can never get enough of what you never needed to begin with.
0: Ooh. Because okay. the, fight, the, fight, the
1: fight message – the fight message came to where you've got to prove you're okay, you've got to make sure everyone knows you're okay, mm-hmm. you've got to earn, you've got to... So we looked around in our families and saw what was valued there. In my family, it was music. So my, my, I was raised singing in church. I, don't, I think I was three when I started singing. Oh, wow. with my brother and sister. I don't ever remember ever being scared. I mean, it just was what I did my whole life. I played the piano. I sang and played the piano. I can direct theater and big musical productions. Like I went on from just, but music and performing was my, okay, I better get good at that. Right. That was my fight, my fight message. Now, is that bad? No. Is it good? No. (laughs) The, The reason why it can be not healthy is for the reason I just said, if I'm doing it to prove my value, to prove my self-worth, to prove anything, if I've got proving energy behind it, I can never get enough of it, right? I'm, I'll am i be always craving. I, I've worked with um, six-figure income people, coaching, and they can't make enough money. Like, because once they hit certain, you know, ranks, they're like, oh, well, oh, I got it. Oh, it's okay. I got to do more. I, I'm still not okay. When I've worked in weight loss and health, right? As soon as people lose some weight, I'm still not okay. If I gain five pounds, I'm not okay. Like, If your value and your worth as a human being is attached to it, that's where it becomes unhealthy and toxic.
0: Mm. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. And I'd love to like unpack that a little bit. So how can we start working through that? Because I think um, even for like a lot of entrepreneurs, um, people really place their value on like how much they can sell, and it's like, and people tell them like, yeah, when people are paying to coach with you, they're buying into you. But then when they don't, they take it personally. I would just love to think about like, don't just hear about how you would go about that. How what the work would be behind it?
1: It takes you know what it takes. Um, it takes some support. That's why you know the book addresses some things. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really a process of, of there's a, it's called Hebb's law. What fires together, wires together. Your brain neurons anywhere in your body, what fires together, wires together. So you've heard of muscle memory, right? Yeah. Well, your brain muscle, they call it neuroplasticity now. So they used to think that your brain couldn't change. Once, once those neurons and synapses and um, uh, pathways were created, they, you were stuck. Now they know, and that's been recently, like in the last maybe 15 years, mm-hmm. that they've discovered that your brain actually can can keep changing. But mm-hmm. the, I believe this is so. That's all science. My theory. So I'm trying to separate it out. So I'm not claiming something that isn't scientifically proven yet, which I think it probably mm-hmm. is. I just haven't found the actual data that I need to support this. But I believe this is true from my experience, from the people I've worked with. Is emotions fire What fires together is to the degree the emotion is strong behind it, good or bad. Like, you know, I'm not, there's no judgment here. Your brain doesn't sit there and argue with you and go, no, honey, you really are unconditionally loved and and intrinsically valuable and perfect just as you are. Your brain doesn't argue. Mm -hmm. Your brain will obey. And when it's based on faulty emotions... The emotions are what fired those thoughts. Your thoughts are actually neurons that have correct, connected in your brain. They're a habit, they're a, they're a muscle memory. And so when you realize, oh, emotions fired that, and then repetition wires it. If it was just fired together once, like let's say, you know, I, I got really scared once about something. Well, if it was just a one time deal, it fired for a minute, but it didn't repeat, so it, th- those neurons maybe fell away. Mm-hmm. But if you keep firing the same um, uh, emotion, I'm bad, I'm bad, and then you've got a part of your brain. This kind of goes into a whole other thing, but it's in the book. It's called Mental Bloodhounds. Your reticular activating system, actually, o- its job is to only show you the things that you have told it through emotions mm-hmm. are true. So the minute I say I suck, or I'm fat, or I'm s- stupid, um, guess what, all my life, that's why it's been wired so strongly, because all my life, that has been what it's let in for me to see. And I will have lots of evidence. I'll go see, 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 yeah, but you didn't notice the times you didn't, you weren't, that you didn't suck. That you were smart. That you you don't notice those times because your brain didn't let that data in. It's crazy good.
0: Yeah, it's crazy I love good. that. And it's like your brain is always out there to prove you right. Like its job isn't to prove yes. you wrong. It's always finding the evidence yes. to make you right. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I love affirmations so much because it's like I'm just repeating the new belief over and over and over again until like that's all that I can see. But Michaela,
1: mostly important there with affirmations, because I've seen a- affirmations bomb. Have you seen them bomb as well?
0: No, I have not. Like yet. where they don't I'm interested. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, they, no. Well, because why? You've you've got a confirmation bias that they work. So people who mm-hmm. it doesn't work for them, even either, either not going to tell you that they bombed because that would be another failure on their part. Like it's where it all still lies. But here's where it <laughs> doesn't. Got to make sure if you're doing affirmations. It has to come, it has to evoke and um, it's the emotion that matters. It's not the words Mm. and it's the pictures, the pictures in your mind. If you were to ask me, maybe this is your last, one of your last questions. What's my number one tip? The pictures Mm. in your mind, watch and see what, I'm an NLP practitioner. I don't know if you understand what that is either, but. I do, um, I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's neurolinguistic programming and it's all about mental I call them mental ninja moves, where you can actually unwire, rewire, but it can happen quickly, but it deals with your imagination. It deals with the, the, your visuals and auditory and kinesthetic way your mind pictures things and how you filter the filters you have for the world. So you've got to make sure if you're doing affirmations, like that's why I said, when I did doors now open, I was picturing how I would feel because a lot of people that bomb on affirmations, guess what? It's a, <clears throat> it's a okay, I really suck. I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, but their emotion is saying they suck. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, like- it's totally the <laughs> energy that we were talking about earlier. Yes. It's like for me, when I do affirmations, like I definitely have the confirmation bias because I'll be like, oh my god, I'm fucking amazing, oh my god, I make so much money, <laughs> and I like get excited and I'm like smiling in the mirror. And so, it is, it is all that energy behind it. Yeah. I, I love yeah. that. It's a really good thing to bring up because I think. Some people do look at affirmations and they're like, oh, they don't really work. Oh, they are, you know, I feel stupid when I say them." Well, it's like if you are standing there feeling stupid, then you're not putting the right energy towards it. And then, of course, it's not going to work.
1: So let me give it, like, when you say energy, I say emotion. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, Emotion, energy is... Emotion in motion, like energy and emotion are, could be synonymous, I think. I'm just guessing. But from what we've talked about so far, it's absolutely synonymous. And maybe some of your listeners would hear emotion uh, better than the word energy. Because sometimes people hear energy like, whoa, I'm, ah, I have energy, right? They just mm-hmm. think. But emotion covers all of it. It's, it's this place em- feeling-wise. We are a product Today and from our past, we're still hijacked from the emotions of our three-year-old self, and we don't know it. It's emotion, and to your point, energy. So I love the word energy. I can hear
0: it how you mean it,
1: but mm-hmm. some people might need the word emotion. Um, yeah,
0: I use, I use um, energy and vibration a lot interchangeably. So yeah,
1: vibration. I- yeah.
0: Yeah, they're all the same. They're all those great feelings. Um, yeah. I would love to hear uh how we can separate the like the crazy thoughts from like the actual truth.
1: Well, number one is just being mindful. My the, the genesis of mindfulness is moving to the observer instead of the aligner. So for example, because some people don't hear what I mean by that. So when you have something happen let's say, cause I'm, again, I'm in the health and weight loss world. Let's say you eat something off of your strict eating program, right? Your diet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what causes the vicious cycle of maybe, oh, screw it. I'm just going to go eat everything. Cause I, one of my monster tracks is all or nothing. So if I'm not on, then I'm off. And if I'm off, I'm going to eat everything. Right? So it's that syndrome. Mm-hmm. But uh, But here's what causes it in the, from the thought place is when I, eat something. Let's say I have a cookie, you know, and I, and I have a lot of self-judgment. Crap, I suck. See, see, I can never stick to anything. Okay. Now what I mean by moving to observer instead of aligner, you might, you're going to go down the aligner path because that's, that's your, your muscle memory right now. Those neuro pathways have gone down those, that pathway of thought, right? But when you consciously now with the brain you have Go listen to my listen to what I'm saying. You're listening to me now with your logical brain. Now you can like oh investigate that voice. You can investigate it like be like a like you're gonna watch it play out on a on a like a movie screen. What go go up go out of your body and go oh that was interesting. How I heard that I suck and that I heard my voice say my thoughts say that I'm bad and that I can never stick to anything. Wow. Now, when you separate out the thought, uh, when you observe it, instead of align with it, it separates it out. It puts it away from you a little bit, and then you can look at it and go, huh, interesting. That alone, if just separating out, moving from from aligner to observer. um, And if you start doing self-judgment, start noticing, move to observer of that. Oh, wow, look at how I just beat myself up. Interesting. The, like to your point, energy, the emotion of it is what can help. If you go down the rabbit hole of, oh, I suck, I suck. Okay, I want more cookies because I got to feel better. Oh, oh, now see, I had more cookies. No, I really suck. Now I need more <laughs> cookies because I got to feel better. Do you see that?
0: Yeah, the spiral.
1: <laughs> yes, and somewhere in there. And it can be anger. It can be um, bitterness. It could be resentful. It could be any emotions that they all will lead, at the end of the day, all these monster tracks I've identified in the book. And I've actually identified three more since the book. Like, I think there's just more. And I even say in the book, I leave room for greater understanding here because it's just the tip of the iceberg on how this stuff shows up in our life. And is it bad? Is it good? No. Is it bad? No. Like, they're both. They're yes and no. You're not. It's not about being bad or good. See, we're in the wrong playground to begin with. Yeah. It's what serves me. What is the truth I want to align with? Mm. Do I really suck? No, <laughs> no, I really don't. You know, I really don't. Do I, do, do I have some mistakes in my life? Yeah. But does that mean I suck as a person? No. But the, the, the muscle memory of thought, your, your connection, wiring, is that that's how it's going to go. So it's familiar. Mm-hmm. I had someone reach out to me the other day actually I reached out to her. I saw a post on Facebook where she, and I don't really know her. She's one of a friend um, that I don't know on Facebook, but mm-hmm. her post compelled me and she was in the pit of despair. And she just said, I can't handle I need prayer. Please pray for me. Pray for me. All these like 25 posts under her things, praying for you, praying for you. Well, personally, no judgment about the people who say that kind of stuff, but it's kind of like, all right, I'm kind of like, well, let's just roll up our sleeves and get to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> I'll pray for you, but let's see, you know, God uses all kinds of ways, right? So I reached out to her and offered my service for a free call. I said, I won't even charge you, but I really want to help you. I think I can help you. And you know what she said back to me, Michaela? Mm -hmm. She said, I said, I can help you if you're really ready to let this go. And guess what? She said back, thank you, but I'm not ready to let it go.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> I know. Why do people want to hold on to that kind of stuff? Like with everything you know about the brain, like why do people choose to continue in the pain and suffering?
1: Because it's part of their identity. Mm. I had somebody tell me once, Kim, don't tell me there's a monster under the bed. And I go, Why? And she goes, Because then I will have to be responsible for everything that happens in my life. See, if I don't get to blame my mom, if I don't get to blame my upbringing, my religion, my body, my DNA, if I don't get to blame anything, guess what I'm left with? Me. Yeah. And that, that's painful. It is painful, I have to admit. Running to the roar and looking in the mirror and seeing, not that I suck, but that I don't suck. Mm-hmm. That's painful. Because then I'm like, oh man, what? What have I done with my life? See, that still can go back to self-judgment. Yeah. But if you start taking responsibility and going, you know what, no, I am, I, I am worthy. I am gonna put boundaries in my life. I'm not, we train people how to treat us, right? And hurt people hurt people. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. let people hurt me. I'm gonna put myself in a much more powerfully, emotionally healthy place by owning my entire identity now. I'm not gonna have a monster to blame. And somebody once told me, don't, Kim, if I got rid of my monster, I'd be a 300 pound bonbon eating, daytime (laughs) TV watching slob. Because she attributed, she was a very successful business person. She goes, I, that is, I need my monster to succeed. And I'm, but it was killing her. It was killing her physically. It was killing her, um, relationship. She couldn't stay in relationships. She had really, so it's like, yeah, it's effective, but is it healthy? And the pain of change is greater than the, you know, when, when that happens gosh. where I'm ready, I don't care what, and we sometimes have to get to that point where it won't matter how painful it is because we can't keep going the way we are.
0: Wow. So. Oh my gosh. And when we were like at that point, when we we're like finally looking ourselves in the mirror, we're finally like acknowledging that, wow, like, okay, we are a cause for all of this. Like, what would you say the steps are to start owning your worth and moving forward from that point?
1: It's a, it has to be emotional. So to, because it was emotionally wired and so to emotionally unwire or to unwire it and to rewire um, it takes some, and there's some strategies I talk about. Of course, meditation is one, but some people get snagged on the word meditation. So I talk about some other things you can call it, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I sometimes write and I'll do group coaching with some people you know, here and there. And I've done events where I have a large group in a room and I actually have them do this where I just, in fact, you could do this with me now if you want. It's just, let's do it really quick. Okay. Go, go to just a deep, deep belly breath. Like some people say, oh, breathe deep, but I see that they're just chest moves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Go to the deepest place you can find in your belly and women. Yep. Your belly is going to pooch out. It's okay. <laughs> it's beautiful. So breathe from the deepest part, diaphragmatic breathing, belly breathing, if you need to find that place, lay flat on the ground, on the floor in your house, lay flat. If you lay flat, you're gonna breathe correctly because your belly will automatically expand. So when you, when just breathing, Michaela, will open doorways, it will help access um, the logical brain. When you're shallow breathing, and you're in panic mode, fear mode, reaction mode all the time. That's your survival brain. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're having such problems with disease. And um, fibromyalgia, autoimmune things are just exploding. ADD, like if we could just learn some, how to do some biological hacks yeah. and learn access calm. Doesn't mean you're going to change overnight, but you will have an open door to be able to hear, breathe in. When I start working with someone, that's the first thing I have them do is just do 10 deep belly breaths.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: And then the next little level, if you want to do this right now, too, on the next breath, on the inhale, in your mind, just say, I am. Hold it. And on the exhale, say loved. Oh, I love that. That's powerful. Because that's who, the, what, what's under the bed? What's the monster, the monster in the closet outside? The scary thing is really our scared little three-year-old self. Yeah. And that's, they were scared of not being okay. They were scared of not being accepted, acceptable. And basically we would know that today as loved. Mm-hmm. And if you can, even while doing that, here's a little bit of my NLP stuff coming in. <laughs> if you can picture yourself, at three. Go find a picture of yourself if you have one, a photograph picture. But find a picture in your mind of you and be in your eyes. Go into that three-year-old's eyes and then do this breathing. I am honestly I do that right now and my I can feel it emotionally. My little three, four-year-old Kimmy is still going, oh yes, thank you. Yeah, and life will start showing up differently. Honestly,
0: mm, I love that we never breathe deeply enough. So I love that you brought that up. That's something I've really noticed on just in, like the journey I've had with meditation. It's like okay, at first I couldn't take deep breaths. I couldn't do an eight count breath because we're not used to consciously breathing. So I love that just taking a step back and really having a belly breath. <laughs> ah,
1: deep belly. Yep, I love. And you that. got to. Pray you're right but you'll like it like everyone I've done this with and even if they don't go they're going to judge did I go as deep as that person see that's part of the monster track comparison but Mm. if you just go the deepest you can go right now you're going to find some relief right then just right there your brain will settle down your survival brain will calm down then you can have access when the survival brain is triggered you don't even have access to the logical brain. Have you ever been in a fight with someone and you said things like, holy cow, why did I say that? Yes. Because <laughs> uh, you didn't have access to the logical brain. Mm-hmm. You didn't. It's like not a character flaw or a moral deficit. It, this is just how we're wired. And when you learn how to know how you're wired and, and, and act accordingly and hack it and decide, okay, here's what I want to be wired for, I get to choose now, and some people don't want the choice. Back to your question, why do some people choose to stay? Because they don't want to be in, they don't want to be responsible for their life. They'd rather stay in victim mode, and that's not a judgment. I stayed in victim mode for a while. Like I'm not ready to deal with that right now, so it's okay. I'm gonna go there when I'm ready, and that's that's right there, you know, a calming truth. You can say, you know what, you don't have to do anything right now. Just mm-hmm. do it when you're ready, whenever you're ready. Remember the rebel rebel cam that I have. Like, I needed to know that I could do it when I'm ready. Don't force me. Don't make me.
0: Yep. Yeah. I love that. Oh, my goodness. So much good stuff. Okay. And we'll wrap this up with your number one tip for manifestation, which you talked about a little bit earlier, but what's your number
1: <laughs> one tip? Yeah, is actually... Um, along with doing inner work, I, I, I hesitate saying, just visualize with emotion what you really, really, really want. First of all, mm-hmm. unless you, inv- it doesn't matter. I'm not, I, I've had to kind of go back and forth in my own head about how I coach this because people just go with what you want, like whatever you want, even if it's not really, you know, oh, I really, really want to, you know, um, have a new car. I want, and this car, this specific car, you got to have Specificity. Your 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 brain is a radar. It's not a shotgun. Like it's a laser. Sorry, not a radar. A laser. Mm-hmm. So as specific as you can be. As um, emotional. Put emotion and specificity together in a visual in your brain and feel it. Like visualize it. Visualize it with emotion and live there. Like live there. Milk it. Stay there as long as you can. Don't judge it. Don't don't worry about it don't think oh no what if and what if and I'll, I'm a fail like shh. you're gonna hear all that chatter that's why I like mm-hmm. Liz Gilbert's book I quote her in my book about chatter about you're not, you're not gonna ever be rid of the chatter but once you kind of know where it comes from and how to navigate it that's what I talk about navigating fear you're never going to eliminate fear never it's in your brain it's in your survival um, package mm-hmm. don't worry about fear and don't worry about the voice in your head that has chatter just go thank you it's like you're your grandma with Alzheimer's. She loves you. She doesn't understand. So you don't hate her. You don't fight her. You love her. You say, thank you. I know you mean the best. I know you love me. That's how this is. Anyway, and just live in that place and just, and then just relax, breathe,
0: (laughs) breathe. I love it. Yeah. So good. Okay. Well, will you tell the listeners where they can find more about you, where they can find your book, all of this stuff? Yeah. Um,
1: Kimfisk.com. Uh, Fisk has an E on the end of it. I think I got the other URL too. So if you spell it wrong, I think you're still going to end up at the wrong, right? You know, <laughs> just, some people don't put an E, but I'm also on social media. I'm honestly, the book just came out in October. It was an Amazon bestseller. I'm having issues right now with I don't know if this. When are you publishing this? Is this going right now soon It'll or be later out next week? Okay, so maybe by then. Uh, today is the 11th, I think, and today the audible is not correct. I found out a few days ago that the audible wasn't uploaded correctly from someone else. So that was always fun because I did the audible. It's my voice. I love it. So the audible, uh, go to Amazon. The monster under the bed, uncovering the lie that drives us. And I'm on Instagram, Kim Fisk, Facebook, Kim Fisk, uh, LinkedIn, Kim Fisk. I don't know.
0: Amazing.
1: Kimfisk.com. But just, you know what? It's ever evolving right now. If you you guys join me at whatever stage, it's just always going to be evolving as we do. Right, Michaela? Mm -hmm. Like, we're evolving.
0: Yeah, always. I love it. I'll put all those links below. We'll link up your book so everybody can check it out. And thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for all of your knowledge. You know so much about the brain, obviously. And so it's just been very, very interesting and knowledgeable. So thanks so much. Thank you. I've really, I always like talking about it.
1: So, however, it helps people, that's what I want. So, thank you.
0: Amazing. Okay. Well, I will talk to you soon and thanks for coming on. Okay. Bye.